Hi, Cornerstone. Um, it's really cool to be here. Um, I come to you from, compared to you guys, a boring church in the suburbs. So this is like, like vacation time to me. Um, just for me to get a little sense of who's here, uh, Pastor Bill told me you guys sort of, s- some of you sit in your school groups. So I heard Brandeis was over here. Can you guys wait? Okay. And I'm thinking BU might be here somewhere. Okay. Um, BC? Okay. Uh, Tufts? All right. Um, Harvard? Yeah, sister. You rock, sweetheart. Okay, uh, who am I missing? Berkeley. Berkeley. Woo! All right. Anybody else? Wells- Wellesley? Wow, you guys are in the burbs with me. All right, awesome. How about um, my, co- my post-college peeps? Woo! Yes, there's life beyond homework. Woo! It's a good thing. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, uh, I've been a pastor for a little over 10 years. I've served churches in Michigan and most cur- currently in Medfield, Massachusetts, which is totally in the burbs south of Wellesley. Um, and I, like Pastor Bill said, I met Pastor Bill and Pastor Danny at a class this fall. Um, it was a great time. I'm a mom of two little boys, um, Ben and Sam. Ben's going to turn four on Easter, and Sam turns two on Saturday. Yeah, they're so awesome. And uh, my husband, Nick, you probably see him up there, too. We met at Gordon-Conwell, um, and he might want you to know, he tells this story better than I do, but I had him in the friend zone for about six years. And guys, he would tell you, be persistent. <laughs> Eventually, the walls fall down. So um, that's a little bit about my sweetheart. And um, I will tell you, he's the most supportive man. He's the most supportive pastor's husband I ever could have asked for. And uh, he supported me before we even started dating. Um, he's just so awesome. He's not, he's not threatened by my leadership ability. He's not threatened by my role in the church. He is that much of a man. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Amen. Awesome. So, um, Pastor Bill emailed me a little over a month ago, and he said, we've got this sermon series. Would you consider speaking on biblical womanhood? And I would lie if I told you my nose didn't scrunch up a little bit. Because when you're a woman in ministry, you have wrestled with these issues over and over and over and over. And you know there's kind of too much to say and too many opinions out there to really do it justice. Um, But I'm going to try. Is that all right? I'll just try. And uh, my heart today is just to help you think about this uh, from a biblical perspective. I know that I'm not going to really probably change your mind, but I'm hoping that I can at least just give you, uh, give the sisters in the room sort of a more solid foundation to stand on as you walk in your gifts. And brothers, I'm hoping that I can, you know, help you support your sisters. Um, You know, really open the scriptures today and see what we can learn uh, together. Now, this is also important to me because if I'm going to be really, really honest with you, I have to tell you, 
when I was in graduate school and younger, I really, really wanted to be married. Can I get any head nods? Okay, I wanted to be married so bad that I was pretty much willing to put myself aside to try to be who I thought the guys I was crushing on wanted me to be, okay? And I have to tell you, it didn't work. It really didn't work. Uh, I didn't kind of meet Nick, well, I knew Nick, but I didn't know he was the one until I had sort of settled within myself who I was. But um, guys, it's so important that you sort of delve into this topic today so that um, you guys can sort of play a role in helping the women, the sisters around you, be all that God's called them to be so that they're not feeling like, hey, I've got to be like this picture in order um, for me to be fully alive in Christ. Amen? Okay, awesome. So, um, let's go to our Lord in prayer. Gracious Lord, we praise you and we thank you for this moment uh, to be together, to delve into your word. We pray, Lord, that we would be able to see you and hear you through your words today, that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us, and that you would knit us together more and more as a body of Christ. Lord, uh, speak through me, if you will, Lord, and speak especially through your word. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So we're going to look at Genesis today, and I know you guys did that last week. Uh, we learn a lot about who we are when we look at sort of the foundational stories in our scriptures. So we're going to start with Genesis chapter 1. Some of it I'm going to read as fast as I can because there's pockets that I'm really going to dive into, and there's pockets that I feel like I can't skip over because they're there, um, and they're important, but I got to read them fast or you guys are going to get bored. So anyway, so verse 26, it starts, then God said, let us, like, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own, own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And Yada, 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 verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So back to verse 26. We're going to look at this, and it says the Hebrew word for man is this word Adam. And it's, in most translations, it's actually. Uh, the word that's put in there in the English is mankind or humankind, because there's not another word for mankind or humankind. So it's another way of looking at this, is that God created humankind in his own image. And it's not really a leap. It's, uh, it's, it's very much there. So even in the ESV, you'll see in the notes that that's spoken of. So God said, let's make humankind in our image. Now, the word for image, you know, we talk about we're made in God's image, and it gets so confusing because, like, that's so abstract, and I sort of hate thinking about it. Um, but it's really important, and this word image is the Hebrew word selem, 
And when you think of this Hebrew word salem, the actual the word picture is back in the ancient Near East, the kings who were the kings that surrounded the Hebrew people, when they wanted their subjects to remember who was boss, they would erect a statue. And it was that statue that was intended to remind the Hebrew people that, hey, you're living in my kingdom. This is my dominion. This is my rule. And they actually had these statues around. And it's the same image when we think of ourselves, when we think of ourselves as men, in the image of God, and women in the image of God, we're all these little um, moving, talking statues reminding the earth of God's dominion of the earth. And it's not men alone. It's women also. So both men and women represent God's rulership in our world. Now, when an image is a living person, then the image has a responsibility of representing God actively, not just standing around, okay? So and something that might help you, I don't know if you know this, but vice presidents actually have the job of representing the president to Congress, and so they, they speak on behalf of the president, and they, they can do tie-breaking votes on behalf of the president. It's the same sort of thing. Like, we are speaking and acting for God in our world. Now, when it comes to this word likeness, we were created not only in the image, but in the likeness of God. Uh, this Hebrew word is demuth. It actually um, means similar. And uh, I go to a gym, and a couple of my friends there looked at my kids, and my kids don't look a lot like me. And they said, oh, they must look like your husband. They must take after your husband. And I said, well, they do. But what they don't know is they also take after me. My, my son, who's almost four, kind of has these sensibilities, these um, texture issues. And, like, that's totally my side. We have texture issues. And my little guy has this big, round belly. And, like, his face may not look like mine, but his little body is just like my brother and I. He is totally in our likeness also. So it's not always about um, what we look like on the outside, but it's also about what we look like on the inside. So we have to ask ourselves, if women are also created in the image of God, what are some things that, you know, of course, every, I know you guys talked about this last week, especially in the video, there's some things we think of that sort of belong to more of a feminine model and some things that belong to more of a male model, but there's a lot of crossover. But some of the things we think of that belong more to the female model, nurturing, caring, um, relational-oriented, relationally-oriented, you know, these are things that are true of our God. And unless we think that they come from the fall, we have to recognize that women, you know, we, we represent these sorts of things in our world in a special way. And God is underrepresented if we are not also rec- recognizing that we are part of the image of God in our world. So um, Jesus himself, actually, in Matthew 23, I'll just remind you, Jesus pictured God as a hen gathering her chicks under her wings. So we know that God has these feminine characteristics, stereotypically and male, of course, stereotypically male characteristics. And it's important that we don't discount them. 
Now, also part of this scripture, and I skipped down to verse 31, because I think it's just so important the point is made when we're talking about womanhood. Remember, God called them good. He looked at all that he had made, the livestock, you know, everything, everything, everything. But women, we were there too. And so any worldview that, that calls women not good is really of offense to God. Do you guys, like, do you guys ever amen? Can I get an amen? amen. You guys amen here? Amen. My congregation, I have to ask for head nods. So, um, because I can't ask for amens. That's really weird for them. So, well, thank you. That helps me. Okay. So, um, the other thing is that, uh, so our second point is that just like men who have a God-given purpose, uh, sisters, we have one too. So we're going to look at um, Genesis chapter 2. And um, what we see in this passage, I, I think, is beautiful. We were created because it was not good for men to be alone. Now, we know this. Um, in a practical way, we know this. Men, I'm not trying to be offensive, but um, you might know this, too. <laughs> um, but let's look at the scripture. It says, uh, chapter 2 Starting in verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So nothing of all that God had created so far was enough. Nothing measured up. So verse 21, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now, I, I, you know, I haven't looked at this passage, honestly, before I was preparing for this a few weeks ago. But something really um, woke me up to it. Uh, what I think is most beautiful about this is that God took a rib from the side of the man. Now, God could have taken a shoulder blade. God could have taken an ankle piece. But God took a rib. And actually, the word for rib actually means the side of the man. And what's compelling to me about this is that side shows equality. That Adam was looking for an equal. Okay? Like, the the animals weren't cutting it. Actually, the thrust of this narrative is that Adam was looking for a partner, okay? And I don't believe this just means about marriage, okay? I think that this means every single walk of life benefits from having women involved, okay? I don't want you to feel like if you're not married, this doesn't apply to you. It really does. I think if we can sort of figure out how to be brothers and sisters in our world, we can in, in sort of a mutuality, we can actually glorify God to God's fullest if we can do this well. Now, the other thing I think worth noting in this passage is this word helper. 
okay? Now, when we think helper today, we sort of think of servant. You know, they're helping me. But this word helper is is used of the woman in this passage, and then the other times that it's used in Scripture, it's used to describe God. And unless we think of God as some subordinate to us, we've got sort of, we've got to wrestle with this. So let me just read you a few times this word is used in other places in the Psalms, um, just really short. Psalm thirty-three twenty: our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. So here's a mighty picture of God bringing his shield and also being called help. Okay, Psalm 70, verse 5, But I am poor and needy. Hasten to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay. Again, this is not a passive help. This is a strength. Help and deliver me. Be my rescuer. Be my warrior is what it sounds like. Psalm 115.9, O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Okay? This isn't a weak Um, just mopping up the crumbs sort of a helper. This is a powerful help, a powerful help. Now, the other thing that is worth note, back in Genesis 1, I want you to see it, that this mutuality going on, um, verse 28, it says, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. I, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. They were to have, they were to have dominion together. Man was not intended to do this alone. Okay? Now, um, I think it's true that women are different from men. We all love to, like, Believe me, I'm like the first one that usually signs up for a women's thing. I just, I love being with my sisters. I love it. But if we aren't at the table, the church is going to miss something. It's just going to miss something. Now, um, so what holds us back? What gets in the way? And we all have these things that get in the way. I told you before I wanted to be married so bad. I sort of messed up with who I was to try to attract men. I mean, that's... That's pretty messed up, you guys. Um, but in verse, in uh, chapter 3, uh, Hojin talked about some of the sins of sins men toward a lean, sort of lean to, and I want to do the same thing today. Um, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. For God knows, so this is a serpent, serpent speaking, that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open to you, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Now, men, before you let yourselves off the hook, you guys were the ones that got the original instructions not to eat of this fruit, okay? And it says you were there. I'm just saying. It said you were there. Okay, um, but sisters, sisters, the text says that our eyes would be open and we would be like God, knowing good and evil. And how many of us would like to know the good that's coming our way? How many of us would like to know if we are going to meet that guy, if we are going to have those kids, if we are going to get that job we were hoping for, if all this school we're doing was going to be worth it and all this studying was going to pay out. 
And how many of us would like to know the evil that's coming our way? So we can prepare. Sisters, we are good planners. Amen? We are excellent planners, many of us. And we like to anticipate those bad things so we can prevent them some way. All right? I mean, I have to confess to you that I wasn't there in the garden, but if a serpent laid before me all of this knowledge of the bad stuff that was going to come my way and the good stuff that was going to come my way, I might trade a lot for it. I might trade a lot for it. Now, I... I'm working on something within myself I'll share with you. I heard a, a lady preacher a few, actually only a few weeks ago, and uh, she convicted me because she was saying, how many of us will say to our friend, oh, well, I'm just a worrier. And it's like we let ourselves off the hook because we say, oh, well, I'm just a worrier. But what if instead of saying, oh, I'm just a worrier, we start speaking into ourselves, I'm a truster. I don't know how this is going to come out, but at the end of the day, I am committed to trusting my Jesus. I'm committed to trusting God. I know that God has my back. I know that no matter what is happening in my life, God is with me. What if we start speaking that into ourselves? I'm a truster. Help me be a truster, brother. You know, brother, help me be a truster. See this vision of God at my back for me. Sister, help me remember that God has my back. Then maybe we won't be so tempted to make this trade with the serpent for knowledge because we want it so bad. And maybe because we feel so out of control, sometimes sisters, we don't feel like we can step in to be part of a solution, maybe because... We're not thinking of ourselves as mutual partners in this worshiping God business, in this ministry of God business. Maybe that's part of why we don't trust. Because we're we're not as often part of the action, part of seeing God at work. You know, maybe this is part of why gossip and manipulation tend to get our goat. But that's sort of another sermon. Now, I've tried to make a case for you that we are different, but we are mutual partners in, in Christ as we serve, okay? And I may not have convinced you, and that's okay, but I want you to look at one other thing that's really compelling to me. I, I started asking of the scriptures, like, well, what, what, do this, what women in the scriptures are celebrated? What does it look like to be a celebrated woman in the Bible? And... Um, I almost wish I had started there. Because what I found, um, I think the piece that sort of compels me the most is Phoebe. Do you guys know about Phoebe? So um, the Apostle Paul, who says things that really confuse us about women in the church, um, that really need to be studied, he actually had this woman named Phoebe deliver the letter to the churches in Rome. And he said, you know, greet her as one, treat her well. Don't don't treat her as less. He doesn't say this explicitly, but it's certainly implied. Don't treat her as less because she's a woman. He he implores the church in Rome to treat her well. And what we know about letter carriers in that day is not only were they physically carrying the letter, 
But they also had some responsibility to explain it if there were questions. It was understood that they had a relationship with the one sending it. So she had a relationship with Paul. And she would have been able to explain this to the brothers and the sisters in Rome. So so look at Phoebe. Um, Look at how Paul really respects her and treats her as a co-equal in the ministry of Christ. And then there's two other women I want to draw your attention to, and then I'll be done. I want you to look at Miriam sometime. Now, Miriam was actually the sister of Moses. And Miriam made sure that when Moses was in the little basket in the river, uh, that that he was brought to what wound up being their mother to be a nurse aide. Now, hear what the scripture says about Miriam. So she's portrayed in in the Exodus narratives as a leader in and of her own right and is accorded at a level of respect similar to that of Aaron and Moses. This is what it says in Micah 6.4. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery, and I sent you before Moses and Aaron and Miriam. Are you kidding? This is sort of at the beginning of the Israelite journey. Miriam was there, and she apparently had some clout. So Miriam, though, because of this, um, because of what we know about her sort of taking care of Moses, we know that she's a nurturing leader, and she's being celebrated here. And so, ladies, those of you who sort of have this nurturing thing going on, God celebrates that, and God can use you in his church. Amen? God can use you. Now, there's also this woman named Deborah. And Deborah, we don't see, like, the nurturing thing as much, okay? That woman was powerful. Um, she sort of scares me a little bit. So um, Deborah uh, was a leader in the period of the judges, and she was, um, she was known as a prophet. These are all from the scriptures. Prophet, a judge, and a mother of Israel, the scriptures call her. And she actually made a huge difference. So she had enough authority that she could really make a difference for Israel. This is what it says about her. The roads were abandoned. Travelers took to winding paths. So this was before she became a leader. Like, no one in Israel was traveling. They were that scared of the situation. It says, village life in Israel had ceased. With Deborah's ascendancy came a return of security to the countryside. So Deborah sort of rocked leadership. She made a difference. And the other thing that's sort of interesting is sometimes you, you hear from people, well, you know, God allowed these women to be in leadership because the men who were supposed to be leaders were sort of sucking at the time. Uh, but actually, when you think about Miriam, Aaron and Moses were there, not sucking at leadership. I mean, they had their, they had their faults, right? Might have been worse without Miriam. You're just saying. Um, but Deborah, she had Barak. I mean, he was a very strong, powerful leader. And actually, what's really interesting about this story was that when they were in battle, Barak was begging Deborah to join them in battle. He was like, I could do this better if you were by my side. So uh, look at this stuff. I mean, the more you look, I'm praying the more, uh, ladies, freedom you feel to be who God has called you to be. And men, this is, I mean, it's work. It's, it's work to look. But I know you guys have small groups, and maybe that would be a great place to look at this a little bit deeper. Some of the arguments that are out there are weak, admittedly. Uh, but you've got to sort of find, find your way um, to be true to the scriptures and to be what God has called you to be. Now, um, ladies, If we don't do this work, 
do we run the risk of not representing the full image of God in our world? When you bring a friend to church and, you know, it's very, and I actually didn't have that experience here, um, but, you know, I've been to churches where there's no women on the platform. There's no women on the leadership teams. There's no women ushers. You know, when, when I see that, I wonder, gee, they're, they're missing half the image of God, you know. Um, so I'm going to, I want to push you to, to really pray about this to, and to not form your identities. Many of you are still, your identity is being formed now. Don't form your identity around this guy you're crushing on. Because actually, at the end of the day, the relationship will not work. And whether it doesn't work before you're married, or whether it doesn't work after you're married, which sucks more, it won't work. You've got to be who God has made you to be before you are married. Please do that. Please do that. Okay? And men... We need you. We need you to be a voice for us. Um, my prayer is that the next time you guys come on this topic in Cornerstone, you've got a man preaching his heart out about it. Um, because you can hear it from me and you know I've got my heart all wrapped up in this. Um, and I've got some built-in biases. But you hear this from a man, you will be compelled in a different way. So... I've given you some homework. I hope that's okay. No, don't get stressed about it. Um, this is hard work over time. So let's, let's go to our Lord in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we can't help but notice that women were created from the rib of man. We were created to be co-partners with you in Christ. And so, God, sometimes we um, don't want the responsibility. My sisters and I don't want the responsibility of speaking for you in our world, of bearing your image in our world, because it seems like a big task. But, Lord, I believe you called us to it, and we need your grace as we do that. And, Lord, my brothers who are here, we need them so badly to help us discover ourselves to discover our gifts, to walk with confidence, Lord, that you desire us to have. Lord, in your mercy, lead us. We pray all of this in the saving name of Jesus. Amen.